Hey, how are you? How you doing? Hello. Hey. Uh, welcome to another Pretender to Contender podcast. This is Joe. How you feeling? Hope you're having a good day. It's a Monday at about 9.40 a.m. as I'm recording the intro to this podcast. Today on the episode, we have hilarious comedian and podcaster Kevin Brennan. You may have heard me on his podcast a few weeks ago, which was really fun. A lot of people told me they loved me on there and that uh, Kevin and I had a good chemistry. I hope you uh, I hope you think we have a good chemistry on this episode as uh, he's at the Village Underground in New York City in between spots doing the interview. So uh, I had some editing to do because there was some interruptions from different people walking by or or uh, the sound got odd. You love those podcasters out there. You can feel my uh, you could feel my uh, what's the word? Uh, frustration, right? Well, I wasn't frustrated during the episode. It's just, um, it's always easier when you don't have to do any editing. You love that, but I had to do a little bit for this one. Uh, I also have help with all my promos and, uh, all the, uh, audio editing, I guess, from the podcast network I'm now with called Chop Sports. Go check them out, the Chop Sports Network. They got a few podcasts on there and they're doing great work. They're a startup company. They're starting to get some advertisers. They're doing great stuff. Chop sports. What else? What else? I mean, if you're listening, you probably know a lot about Kevin. Maybe you don't know a lot about Kevin. Uh, If you don't, I'll give you uh, some highlights. Uh, Kevin, I guess, grew up in Chicago, then moved to Philadelphia with his family, then to New York City, where his comedy really started uh, taking off. Uh, Something happened early in his career. He was on Star Search early on, and a 19-year-old Dave Chappelle beat him. He went on to have his own sitcom deal with his brother, Neil, uh, to do a show about an Irish family with 10 kids. That never made the air, which is amazing that that didn't make the air. He had his brother, Neil, and then him. It It would have been fantastic. But, you know, every stand-up comedian, we all have those stories of the the development deal, the almost sitcom about our life. He was also a writer for SNL, came very close to filling in for Colin Quinn, um, taking over Weekend Update. He had some, uh, he had an audition or a couple auditions. It seemed like Lauren Michaels really liked him, and then they went on to go with uh, Tina Fey and Jimmy Fallon to do Weekend Update, and I'm just guessing that might have upset Kevin because uh, it says in his bio that he stopped he stopped writing for SNL after that. Then he went on to do uh, Misery Loves Company, which started to bring a lot of fans on in 2016 with Lenny Marcus. I guess they had their uh, differences. They didn't get along so well as podcasters. There was maybe just too much misery <laughs> and it didn't love company. I don't know. They separated. Then he went on to be on Kumia's network, Anthony Kumia's Compound Media, doing a podcast called Burning Bridges. That started to get some traction. Then he went on his own, and he's back to doing Misery Loves Company. It's a great podcast. Highly recommend it. Go check it out. I also wanted to say that uh, 
I have a group page now on Facebook. You guys go check it out. Go join it. It's been fun. A lot of people are leaving uh, some really great stuff on there. Some of the trolls are leaving some funny shit on there. If it's great troll content, I will uh, I will use it. If it's funny, you know, I'll use it on the podcast. Um, there's also uh, the the voicemail number is it's always been there. If if you were wondering, it never went away. It's still there. Nine five one two nine eight nine eight nine nine. If you ever want to leave a message, you know, if it's a comment or a question, or maybe you 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 want to leave a funny troll type voicemail. If if it's if it's hilarious, I'll play it on the podcast. We seem to be at a a new level of things. As you know, I let Porcelain interview me. I don't know when that's coming out. <laughs> he interviewed me for three hours. I'm curious to know what that edit is going to come down to and when he's going to post it. I have a feeling he's waiting for me to do the Mike David uh, Red Bar Radio, which I'm waiting on the invitation. I'm kind of in a holding pattern here. As you saw the email he sent me, and then I posted it on social media because uh, I guess some people thought that I was just making it up, That I, uh, which I, I don't know why. Um, I would <laughs> why would I just make that up? Uh, I'm going on there and I'm waiting for the invitation and uh, maybe it'll be this week. Maybe it'll be next week. Who knows? Who knows? Um, Ron Poliquin on the on the on the group page said something uh, more than just the phone number that he wanted uh, to be able to leave messages, which I don't know if Ron knew it. It never wasn't there. But he also said. I liked it when you talked about like little slice of life things that were going in your life that he that he missed that part of the podcast. So I'm going to try to leave a little of that. I'm going to try to put a little of that at the beginning of these episodes now, even though I'm always going to have an interview, someone who falls into that pretender to contender category. So what's going on in my life? I took a couple of notes here for Ron here. Some of you knew this, but everybody didn't know this. I'm doing construction three days a week. Uh, I work from 9, nine to about uh, 4.30, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays in, in, in Connecticut with my wife's best friend's husband. He has a construction company. He's teaching me a lot. I'm busting my ass. It's really, uh, it's really honest work, as they would say. Put those work boots on every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And uh, I mean, the hardest part about doing this day job, which I haven't had in like 30 years, is people contacting me, texting me, uh, you know, in the comedy business and, and, and not being a shitty employee and going and talking on the phone or texting people back, you know. I mean, we are we are at a really nice time of of having a hard job like this. Like when I was younger, you know, you didn't have a cell phone. You had a hard job. You just had to sit there and fucking do the job the whole time. I mean, now you can kind of get away with having an iPhone in your pocket. I got my AirPods in if I'm doing certain types of work that I can tune out. 
and I can listen to, you know, the news, or I can listen to Howard Stern, or I can listen to somebody get interviewed on a podcast that I think is interesting and try to uh, zone out. But there's other parts of doing construction where you, you got to give 110% or you're, you're going to get injured <laughs> at 53, which I don't know if I told anybody this, but three weeks ago, I got injured really badly. This was classic. Uh, and it wasn't even on the job. It was at home for uh, Ron Pollock when he wants to hear shit that happens in my house. Uh, you've heard me talk about my garage in the past. I have this narrow garage. You can't fit car a car in it very easily. So I was always trying to get the shit out of the garage. I always wanted a uh, a um, <laughs> a shed to put all the shit in so I could get a car in there. But when you have kids, you just end up having so much shit in there. And I have a second tier inside there. It was like this huge shelf. It was about nine feet in the air. And it came out halfway into the garage. And you had to climb on a ladder if you ever needed something that was up there. And we had just put a rug on half the floor in the garage, which I don't recommend because I think this is where it went wrong. So that thing is on the ground. And I have to put the ladder on or ladder up so I can uh, get some stuff, some tools from up the t up top tier in the garage. And I go to walk down the ladder. I made that mistake of going backwards towards the ladder instead of fronting your way down the ladder. And the fucking ladder, just like Johnny style, sweep the leg. <laughs> the the, the freaking thing just went out from under me completely from eight feet in the air. And I didn't fall straight down. I fell sideways, landed on my back just landed straight on my back so hard that I whiplashed back and smashed my head into what I think was one of my son's friend's bikes because my head was bleeding. I was completely black and blue on my lower back. My ass had like an imprint of a pedal from a bike, and I couldn't do my job. I couldn't go do my three-day-a-week job. It was just in too much pain. I couldn't even move, dude. I felt like still to this day, I guess probably been three weeks now, I can't like turn hard left or right. I feel like I was in a really bad car accident, like whiplash. <coughs> Fucking hilarious. Uh, my daughter was a sweetheart. She was the first one on the scene. Like it was so bad that I couldn't even yell like a fuck or anything. It was just like, a, oh, and she heard me and she came down, little nine-year-old. Willa was just like, Daddy, are you all right? Are you all right? I'm like, get get mom. It was one of those, like, I didn't know. You know that feeling where you're like, can I move my toes? Did I break my back? Am I uh, okay? Do I need to go to the ER? I don't even know. Oh, my God. Woo. But thank God. Thank God I'm okay. Like I said, still a little stiff, but I am okay. What else do I want to mix in there for you, Ron? Uh, this job has a long commute, which I like. It's about a 45-minute drive to work for me and, you know, 45 minutes back. That's with no traffic. Once in a while, I hit a little bit of traffic going up to, up to Connecticut. Um, but I love that, that commute because that's when I get... My business calls done. 
I talk to the podcasting network guy. I talk to uh, whoever else I'm working with, uh, which looks like it's like Soul Joel and I are working together. Do you know who Soul Joel is? Joel, Soul Joel. I interviewed him on my podcast uh, maybe about five episodes ago. Joel Richardson started that club in Royersford, Pennsylvania. He booked me at his other club, which I'm going to be there June 26th. The Adventure Farm in Shemung, New Jersey. He's doing these big shows in, outside at this huge farm. Uh, and it's in South Jersey. I have two South Jersey comics opening for me. These really funny dudes that I worked with in Royersford. And now they're kind of touring with me and we're doing the Remember When show. And these guys are both young and hilarious. And we have a band we added in. It's from South Jersey, too. They're going to be playing with us at the Adventure Farm. And uh, instead of having the uh, the music that's going to back up some of the bits, we're going to have an actual band backing up some of the bits. So it should be really cool. Uh, I'm excited to do these Remember When shows. The last one on um, in Royersford went really good. So we're keeping these rolling and trying to just hit everywhere we can, really in South Jersey and Philly and uh, somewhere in New York near where I live now because it's where my two fan bases are, where I can sell the most tickets. So we're kind of hitting it with the South Jersey guys on the show. It's like we're the South Jersey boys or something. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, yeah, Ron, I hope you're liking this. I think I've lost the comfort zone of just talking about myself. I kind of like just interviewing a guy and worrying about his life. Sharing mine, all of a sudden, it's not as comfortable. So I got the long commute. I also, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Every, everything else is going good, man. That's the other thing that's great about having a, a job that kicks your ass. Anyone who who's out there listening that has a job where you work up a sweat at your job, you know when you get a day off, you appreciate the shit out of it, don't you? I don't know if everybody has that feeling with their job, if you have more of a sit-down businessy kind of job, but when you're kicking your ass and you're hard working and you're sweating and you get that, I get that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off, oh my God. I'm like, let's go to the beach. Let's go sit in the sand. Let's take the kayak out. Let's go fishing. Uh, I'm like loving just sitting there watching my son play travel baseball or, uh, you know, my my daughter just kind of hanging. We I brought one of her friends down to the beach this past weekend and just watching them swim and be goofy. I was just like, this is great. This is great. So, I mean, that's my little piece of positivity today at the top of this podcast is you know what I mean like life needs those variations right if 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 you just have one thing all the time you just you don't appreciate things it's like you got to have negative things happen to have uh super happiness when something positive happens it's just just the way it works so I'm the working man now you know it's like I'm listening to that song Rush Working Man. Did you ever listen to that one? That one really nails it the best. So uh it's cool. It's cool. I just go in, we build shit, <laughs> decks, bathrooms. Uh that's what we seem to be doing mostly right now. 
a lot of outdoor projects, a lot of decks with crazy high high concept landscaping built around the decks, stuff like that. And uh, I'm enjoying it. And it doesn't hurt that my boss has a boat and he lets me go out there with him and we do some fishing on a on a lake up there in Connecticut too. That's fun. So let's get to the interview with Kevin Brennan. We will, uh, geez, I almost sound tired now. We will be right back with the hilarious from the Misery Loves Company podcast, Kevin Brennan, live from the Village Underground in New York City, sitting on a uh, in a booth in between spots. We'll be right back. So it's funny. I, I watched your. Um, the roast they did for you at the stand. I had never seen it before, and I watched it. You know, I fast-forwarded through some of it, but I uh, I watched a lot of it about an hour and a half ago. Oh, really? Yeah, it was fucking... It was really funny. I, <laughs> it's just so funny to watch, to watch Mike Pichetti have to go on after all these seasoned, like, veterans. <laughs> I know. I know. The funny thing is, I don't know if he if he knows like what he is. You know, like like I, I like everyone makes jokes about him, and then he laughs, and and then it's just it's funny watching him. Just so like I, I don't know if he thinks he's like if he if he thinks he's like uh, uh I don't even know. Like when you talk to Mike, I love having Mike on the show because he's 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 a regular guy, but he's not regular. You know, right. That's funny. But you know him because you know him. Th- you know him better than I do through Artie, right? Yeah, but I always was. I never knew if like he 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 had awareness or not. You're like you're, you're like. Does he know? He must know because like it was fun. I was watching Patty Rossborough. Was she just destroyed it? Right? Like I guess did yeah. she did she have the set of the of the of the roast? Yeah, that was funny. Was because. I put Patty, we didn't really have an order, you know? I mean, some guys wanted to go early, like like Chip Chipperson and and Soder they had to leave early. But uh, mm-hmm. so I kind of, Patty was like, I want to I want to go on early. I said, no, because like, I didn't think Patty would do great. Because I could, she, she kind of had that to like, I'm going to bomb, you know, how bad is it going to be? So I put her at the end just so I make it easier for me to follow her and Tom Cassidy. And then they both crushed. They just fucking crushed. And I was like, literally, by the time Tom, uh, Tom Cassidy was up there, I was genuinely pissed at how well he was doing at my own rows. Because I'm like, I know I won't be able to follow it. And, and plus, I, I put in, everybody was reading off notes. I couldn't read off notes because then I had my glasses on and I didn't want to do my glasses on. So I was kind of going from memory and, you know, and the jokes I'd never done before. So I was like, God damn it. And I just wanted to, follow people who would kind of do okay and then i would do great and literally you know they saved my set adam saved my set because he edited it well i just told him just take out any joke that doesn't get a laugh you know which right. is like half of mine and uh but patty's patty we didn't touch patty we didn't touch tom they just they just completely crushed you see know? i don't even know who tom is and i didn't i didn't watch his set so now that you say that i'm gonna go back and watch he was right after patty and he she was shitting on gino because gino kept interrupting him gino Bascante. so and he was you know gino's a drunk and that's a big that's the joke but i mean right. he was he was by that time gino was drunk gino got so drunk 
and his girlfriend got so drunk that his girlfriend started a fight upstairs that night at the oh. stand. <laughs> the only time, the only time I had an incident like that once where I worked with um, Shuli, and yeah. Shuli's wife. I don't know if she's like a drunk or whatever, but this night she was. And she was, I had never seen this, a comic being heckled by his own wife. (laughs) She was shit-faced, and she was fucking yelling. What was she saying? What was she saying? She was just make noise. Like, she wouldn't even (laughs) say coherent words. It would just be like, ah, ah. And she was drunk with all her family members in the back. And Shuli was laughing. It wasn't making him mad. I was like, this guy's the... Cl- I would be so... How how mad... Would you be mad at your wife if she fucking yeah. tackled you? <laughs> well, no, because there's a, there's one of the scenes... One, one scene I saw in Crashing that was, like, re- very realistic is when the girlfriend gets drunk. You know, she's hanging around all night with you. She gets bored. She gets drunk. And she makes a scene at the comedy club. And then they take it out to the street. And she she's yelling at the at, at at pete in in the street and i've had that too many times where where women like women i'm dating or my wife they just start they get too drunk and then you're not drunk at all i you know i don't drink during my show so if i drink i'm way if i start drinking after my shows i'm way behind them and then you can't really do anything you just want it to be over you just wanted to get them the fuck out of the club and just take it. I told my wife one one year's Eve, we weren't married yet, but I said, don't, I said, don't make a scene. Don't make because she was because I'm like, it's New Year's Eve, you're gonna drink, don't make a scene. And then she made a scene, and I was like, Are you are you like being ironic? Because I told you to make not make a scene, you're doing it on purpose. But she wasn't, she just got drunk, and I was like, Holy shit. And it was there's nothing you can do. You just gotta fucking take the L, like when when they're drunk and and you know what I mean? There's something you can, you just have to make it, you have to make it in. Well, Shul, Shul, what Shuli didn't get mad because his wife, I think they had, I think they had just had their first, you, you can, how many kids you have? Three? Two. Two. So I have two also. Now, you, you, I'm, I'm sure you can remember the first night you went out and were able to like hang with your wife and have a few drinks after you have a kid. Like it, yeah. that, that that's what this was. It was his first night that his wife went out since they had their first kids. So oh, she, oh. <laughs> so he was just like, go ahead, go fucking oh, nuts. Yeah. And oh, she had her fun. family with her that were a bunch of fucking partiers. Like, uh, I don't know if this is weird about me, but like, and one of the reasons I probably married my wife is I've I've never seen her sloppy drunk ever in you know the eighteen years that I've been with her. Never yeah. she just number she either can hold her alcohol really well. She well she, she's one of those she'll never have more than four drinks. She's not right. she doesn't do the ten drinks. She just right. doesn't. Yeah. Uh, it was fun. My wife, I I can I can I cannot say that about my wife. Where, where, I, where I can't say I've never seen my wife sloppy drunk. I can't say that. Yeah. Well, I used to get pissed because I wanted her to see. I wanted oh, my you're, wife. Oh, you're the other way. You would get mad she would never let her let herself go. Yeah, I'd be like, I think we, we did a short film once that was called Drink the Wine where I'm trying to get her to drink more on a, at a dinner. It was like a little short <laughs> film that we did. And I'm just like, come oh my on. God. Why wow, the grass is always greener. I guess that's yeah. literally true. Yeah. So, I mean, real quick, 
before I get into the interview, because I was just like, I, I wrote a lot of questions out for you. And then I started thinking, I'm like, you know, Kevin's developed this persona that you didn't really have when when we started out together in like I, I didn't move to New York till 96 or 95 or 96 and uh you never really were the comic that would just say whatever and and now that's kind of your thing to just be super truthful so I was like I started working on the interview like after it just hit me like an hour ago I was like wait a second you should take advantage of having a guy on your show that will answer anything. Like most comedians will go, you know, they'll call you an hour later. Hey, can you erase that? Can you edit that out? Like, are you, are, is there anything that you've ever contacted someone's podcast and you said, dude, you, can you edit that? I shouldn't have said that. Um, I don't, yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah. Can you hear the music? Yeah. Uh, no, right. not really. It's not, okay. All right. Good. Um, no, there's they play music downstairs. Oh, what the hell is that? Oh, I do hear it. I hear drums. Yeah, no, that's they play they in a comedy show. They have um, between like the third and fourth act, they the band plays for like. Oh, you're. Seconds. Are you at the Village Underground? Yeah. You should just so, go. Uh, you should go yeah, stand so they outside. Have, like, the, they have they have the band play. No, outside will be worse because then people homeless guys will come up to me. <laughs> So, uh, no, the thing is that, uh, I, I, you know, I, it's the thing is when you ask people, it's really, that's why I'm very careful now, because if you ask people, they, they don't, they don't want to do it. They really like, I I was on in hot water Gino show and, uh, Gino Wisconsin Aaron show. And then I asked, I asked them to take it out and they're like, no, we don't want to take it out, you know, cause it's not, you're not going to get in trouble. Mike. Okay, first of all, yeah, I, it's not you guys aren't going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble. I said it. Just take it out. And they're like, we don't want to because we we think you should have First Amendment. I go, it's my it's I'm it's my shit. It's me. I'm going to get in trouble. I don't give a fuck about my First Amendment, right? Just take it out. My point is now, like, you don't know you don't know what's going to get people in trouble. You know. Oh, okay. So okay. So. That's good to know. Then it's just so quite- I, I'll 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 take stuff out of my own show. I'll, I'll take stuff out. I, I don't listen. I mean, uh, uh, what you call it? Um, Tony Hinchcliffe just got majorly in trouble, you know, because he was at the. You saw that clip, right? No, I haven't seen it. What did he do? Uh, you know Tony Hinchcliffe? Yeah, I know who he is. Okay, well he's there's a you can just you can just Google it or whatever, and then he he brought up a guy brought him up in in Austin. And brought up Tony, and the guy was his name is uh, 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 Pang Dang. So mm-hmm. he's he's uh, he brought up Tony, and Tony called him like uh, to be funny. Tony shit on him, but called him an Asian slur. Right. And now and now it's up on Twitter, and Tony's in a lot of trouble. So I mean, Shane Gillis got canceled for he lost a job at SNL because he said sure. Slur. There was uh, a lot of Asian slurs on your roast, by the way. But I guess as long as they didn't were? come out of yeah, there were there was a bunch of them. <laughs> but they were that more. Uh, that was a different time. It was all. It was 2019. It said. I know. I, know. <laughs> it was a different I got you. I'm joking, but I mean, I mean, nobody really got in trouble for an Asian slur before until Shane Gillis did, and then Shane got in trouble right after that because it was uh, yeah, because that was October first. 
I was October 1st or 2nd. And then Shane probably, well, Shane might have already been in trouble because SNL starts like right then. So I, I don't know if he had already gotten in trouble or he was, they didn't have decided yet. But yeah, so yeah, the thing is, I tell people this all the time. I go, nobody knows what the rules are, you know? So since nobody knows what, so nobody knows what the cancellation rules are, you got you got to be careful. Right. Well, my my question was more because I wasn't thinking about like things that would get you in trouble if you said something racist or whatever. I meant more. Um, is there anything you ever said about another comedian? Because that's kind of been your thing now is like that you'll just say how you feel about other comedians or an actor or somebody that worked with you or like that you'll just tell the story and. Yeah, I don't any... recommend it either. I don't recommend it. No, I thought I thought that was like what your thing is now. Now you're not. I, but I don't recommend it. I don't recommend it. It's I don't. It, I'm saying I I started doing it, and then I started doing it for different reasons, and then and then. It, but it's 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 it's. Listen, people get mad. People get mad. Bobby Kelly attacked me the other two weeks ago. You know, so so uh, there's he attacked there's, you. Yeah, you know Bobby Kelly. Yeah, yeah. What, he attacked you, me right here, where, like, where, where I'm sitting. He attacked me. Like seriously attacked. He wasn't yeah, fucking around. Yeah. No, he wasn't fucking around. He got mad at something. Oh, whatever. I mean, the the wow. point is that I'm basically breaking protocol. You know, I'm like a Serpico. Because so I was. I well, what made what this? Why I'm kind of talking about this conversation is when I watch your roast and like you, I I watch you go on at the end and you're like, I'm going to keep it short. Blah 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 blah. And how. You said you didn't. It was a long night, you know, and you know that's what sucks about getting roasted. You got to go on at the very end. Yeah. But I was thinking, I don't know if you ever saw it. I don't remember whose roast it was, but it was Pat Cooper on a roast. And did you ever see this where he wasn't even doing jokes? He was saying how he seriously felt about, <laughs> and it was killing because oh, it was so honest. He would just be like, "I don't have a joke, huh?" talking about other comics yeah he would say like drew carey i remember he goes uh i just think you suck you're, you're not good <laughs> and it was like and it was killing because it was so honest and i'm like i yeah. bet kevin brennan because that's your thing i should have done that do if it. i would have known i would have done it because that would have been i try to write jokes and probably would have been better if i just started like berating the weird the weird thing about that is like i invited everybody you know <laughs> Yeah. So the thing with Pat Cooper, he didn't, he probably didn't invite anybody. So, so like, it's, it's a little awkward when you invite like the people that were on my day is I invited them and then to like shit on them. No, you should almost shit on, you could have shit on other comedians that didn't come who like passed yeah, I on did a, it or whatever. I did a little, I did a little bit of that, but then they, you know, like Florentine was going to come and then he got a gig and then Bobby Kelly was going to come. So, I, I mean, I did shit on people, you know, like Keith the cop, was was supposed wasn't there i, sh I made jokes about him mm -hmm. and uh so i shit on some people that weren't there but uh yeah i mean like those kind of things like afterwards you're always like oh, i should have done this i should have done that i mean like any set but this was in particular because when you get roasted yeah i mean it, it you're you know it's three hours it was two and two and a half hours and then like i can't leave i can't even go to the bathroom and then i'm just and like i said they're you know, I should have done better, but Ed, Adam edited it so that it, it looked good and it ended up looking great the way it was edited down. So, mm -hmm. but yeah, but afterwards I'm like, oh, I should have done, 
I should have more jokes about this. Or I should have done more jokes about that. You know, something like that. Nobody watches roasts to see the guy who's getting roasted set at the end. Like that's, that's what not... I thought. That's what I thought. It's it's almost like a, it's almost like an afterthought. Like just come up and say thank you. Have a couple of jokes. You know, like the yeah. the, the Comedy Central roast. I mean, even when Voss got roasted, I left before. I think I I watched the whole roast until like the last two guys because I'm like, what can Voss possibly say to top this? I mean, everybody was killing. It was fucking great. And then I thought, you know, and Voss is great, but I just thought, how's he going to top this? And then, but I think I had to get the train or something. I don't know. But but then I heard Voss did great, but it's like, I know he couldn't have topped, you know, the people that were roasting him because they were, people were Florentine, uh, uh, Joe DeRosa, fucking uh, Colin Quinn, Louis Gomez. Everybody was just fucking killing. Oh, that was a great. Bobby that Kelly was a great roast. Kills. I was I was in the audience for that. Oh, one. you were? Yeah. yeah. So so I guess you stayed till the end. I was I never had a seat, so I was standing the whole time. And then maybe I got tired, and I'm like, I go, how much better can it get? And I think I left right before a Big J let went on, and I heard he killed. And so you know whatever. So no, but no one. No one bombed at that roast. It's usually fun had, to watch. No, Judy bomb. Gold. Judy Gold was kind of bombing, but that's her thing anyway. You know, she's like, I yeah. fucking hate roast. You fucking asked me to do this, and I fucking hate them every fucking time. Yeah. But that made that made that funny, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like I said, I had all these regular questions. I'm like, oh, you know, my podcast pretender to contender. I'll fucking, and then I'm like. Kevin's it's getting to the point where it's like everybody's been on so many podcasts in, and we've all been interviewed telling our career story. Right. I mean, is that what most people ask you on a podcast that you they like want to hear where you came up when you started? What did you do? What was it like doing Conan? And like, is have you done? Did you do like Marin's podcast? Mark Marin? No, I've never done Marin. But the thing is, uh, people Marin, I don't you know, like I never liked Marin. <laughs> that's probably then, why you haven't done it and then but now my fans are like are poking at Marin and he gets some fights from my fans you know so and I'm like I'm like doesn't he have better things to do but sometimes you, you don't you know and then and my wife listens to Marin's show so she's like well he's he, he's like you know he he's he said my wife said he's been off Twitter like seven or eight times where he's like I'm done with Twitter but then he always gets dragged back in. And I guess, I guess the reason he quits because he gets dragged into stupid fights. So, uh, but my fans have been tagging him and, 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 and then he fights back. And then I was going to say to him, like, but I can, now I, now I don't even want to ask him, Hey man, cause then he'll think I was doing a work all along, like telling my fans to antagonize him. Right. So he'll, so he'll put me on just to get it over with. So, well, so I was- I'm, to the, I'm to the point now where like, I don't even, like I don't, I don't even, I don't even like to do people's uh, podcasts just because of what you said, and and so I, so because my podcast is so like yelling and it's not nice, and so when I do other people's podcasts, I don't want to yell some more. Like I don't want to be like I, I don't want to like I don't know. I feel like I'm a little bit like trapped into like my persona now, where mm-hmm. like if I do a podcast, I got to be a dick, and if I don't want to be a dick, I you know I don't want to I don't want to cause more trouble. <laughs> Right. But because I kind of have to be a dick on my own show, because then people will be like, "Oh, Brennan's getting soft," you know. Right. Well, because uh, 
Another reason why I brought that up is I think I was listening to Mark Maron's podcast today with uh, Mark Norman was the guest, and they brought yeah. you up. They brought you up, right? I, and it was something about like, uh, and Norman, you know, was like, oh, that's just what people do now. Like, like you know, he gets it. Like, he gets that that's what yeah. podcasting has become just a shit on you fest, and it didn't used right. to be like that. And Mark, yeah. Mark is a little bit more of a, you know, an a little older school kind of like I was and then I got sucked into it and like now I kind of understand it but I used to be like what the fuck like I my thing is I always worry that what if someone doesn't get it like some regular fan is going in and all of a sudden they get trolled like one of your regular fans gets trolled and they argue back and you're like oh no that's going to get fucking ugly and this is some guy that doesn't understand that happens all the time it's like literally happening uh my producer is Adam and uh there's there's a fake Adam uh troll account on Twitter Right. So he he tagged Mark Marin, and then Mark Marin's fighting with a fake, a fake producer account, and he doesn't know. And, and I was gonna step in and go, Mark, it's not even guys. That's not even my producer, but but I can't I can't you know like if once I step in, then it just gets worse. So I just go whatever. I don't listen. I don't know if if, if I get on Mark Marin's podcast, like. I mean, I first of all, I, I don't live there, and then second of all, I don't think he's kind of me on. And then third of all, like, I don't know, I don't even know if he he would be like, "What are you doing?" And I'd be like, "I don't know, I don't know what I'm doing," because, like you said, he's he wants to be PBS and you know Obama and all that, and like one-on-one interviews. But when I started, I didn't have a plan. I just started doing it with Lenny Marcus, and then you know one thing led to another, and then it became like this fucking shit show, and people would quit. And there'd be fights, and then it was like, and then and then, you know, Gary Goldman attacked me, and then it became like, then it becomes like, okay, do I want this? Like, do I want it to be this chaotic and like this much mayhem? And then I, and then I'm like, I guess I don't know, but it's fun. I mean, it's more fun than doing stand up because, I mean, the first when I first started doing a podcast, I'm like, I mean, this basically saved me because. I, I'm not a fan of stand-up, you know? I mean, I am a fan of, like, jokes and everything, but, like, all the, like, you know, following people and the MC and the, the customers. And I like doing this. I like doing a podcast where there's no audience and I can say whatever I want and they can't boo me. Like, they can, right. I can say whatever they want. I don't have to follow someone who's killing. You don't have to follow Godfrey who just killed and then they, you know, so... Well, if, so, you, if you go, you know, they're kind of like what I'm doing right now is not really even going into the city and only d- going into the city. Maybe Liz like turned it on. Val, Liz turned it on for me. So I, cause I was sitting in the dark. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I just kind of, I just kind of go into the city like once a week to work on stuff for my touring show. So like, I, I I interviewed Corielli recently, and he was saying Robert and he, that he used to like when he first moved away from New York City, he used to look at the lineups at the cellar and go, "Oh no, they're all getting better than me, and I live out here, and they're getting better than me." And then he said, Robert Kelly said to him, "Dude, we've been to this, we did the cellar for years. We know how to do comedy now, so now we don't have to go up every day of the week." 
you know, and like it's kind of that way, like where you're saying, I don't want to follow these guys. An easy way to not have to do that is you just go do the road and headline gigs and bring your couple of guys that you're friends with to open for you. So you never have to do that. Yeah, so, but that's yeah, but that's easier said than done. Like I, I can't just go on the road and be like, I want to, you know, it's like the road is not the way it used to be. So I mean, I, sure. I'm not, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, comparing one to the other. Mm -hmm. And because I I've been doing stand up for so long, and and the podcasting was new, so I found it refreshing that I could say whatever I wanted. I could I could I could talk loud, or I could or I could knock knock talk. Like basically, I could do whatever I wanted, mm -hmm. and I'd have some audience to worry about being like, "Oh, you're loud or you're mean." Like I just did a set downstairs, and I knew the crowd thought I was mean, but it's whatever. I don't care. And like now, now I don't. Even when I came back, I hadn't done the city in like a year, and then I came back and uh, and I was still like my first show back. I was not even that. I was still like, oh fuck this, you know. Right. Because I've been I've been doing it so long that I just you know it's not even like a matter of burned out. I just like I just I just think it's dumb, you know. Right. They, well, I mean, I just think it's dumb that after like every show is like I got to follow this guy, and then I got to follow, and then I got to. Then I'm first, or I'm second, or I'm last, or I'm eighth, or I'm then, and the, who's the MC? And you know, but then again, like, do I, I even if I went on the road a lot, would I bring the same people every week? I don't know, because then, then you get too comfortable. I don't know. The, the really what I'm saying is like, they're they're apples and oranges to me. So when I was so I did so much stand up, and then when I started doing this, I was like, I found it very refreshing that I could just be, I could be in whatever kind of mood I wanted, and then just just be be entertaining without an audience fucking staring at me and judging me like i know they're gonna listen but i but they can't judge me on the spot and like make me feel like like you know bad because that, that joke that last joke didn't work or i'm mean like i want to be meaner I'm, I'm determined to be like my new goal is to get heckled every show you know so so i wanted i want because i'm like you're not even close to as mean on stage as you are on your podcast and your podcast is more popular than your standup. So, so I'm like, so I'm like, uh, you gotta, you gotta push it harder. You know? Well, it's, it's interesting to know that all of us are confused by this. Cause it's like, for me, it, it's, it, and I it, like from the outside, I would say, and I'm sure everybody says this to you that the way you are on your podcast, that's how you should be on on stage, and you got to get that audience big enough that you like you said the hard part about stand up is a lot of times we go on and the crowd didn't pay to see us; they're just paying to watch comedy. Right. That, that's what's nice about you know being on the road and like you have a defense a little bit if it's if it's like in the write-up he's from this podcast he's this he's th they can explain what kind of comedy you do so if they don't know that's their fucking problem that they didn't do research who they were coming to see and and be you know maybe you're similar to me where it's like we got this mean guy and we have this nice guy and we never know which way to fucking go with it Right. Yeah, but but the, really what I'm saying is like they they the audience, the general audience doesn't want you to be mean. They want you to be like affable and nice and funny. So it's like that's why most comics aren't mean. There's almost no comics that are mean because, you know, like there's only a couple like in almost in history, like Kinnison was mean. 
uh, Dennis Leary, I guess, was like aggressive. But for the most part, they don't want their what they're used to is like non-threatening, non-aggressive stand-up comedy. And if you're on a show with five other guys, you almost have to do what they're doing. But that, you know? the, but that, you know, you've been doing it as long as me. We know that that that's not what makes it. It's like standing. No, I know, out, but I'm standing saying, but, but, but it's. But basically, it's like, but that's what the audience at the club right. wants. So it's like, so can you resist what they want? It's like, it's 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 hard. It's easier said than done where you just go like, I'm going to do this. So so my point is that it's like the reason everybody falls in, in line is because they don't want to bomb. You're by yourself. If the guy before you killed, then you don't want to bomb. So so on a podcast, I don't follow anybody. I, I'm not following anybody. So I can say whatever the fuck I want and I don't have to worry about like, oh, well, they're, they're, this crowd don't like me because I and I know how well the guy before me did. So I'm not going to I can't pretend like oh, I'm doing as good as this guy does. I'm saying there's a lot of there's a lot of pressure to just be what they want because, you know, you're going to get heckled. You're not going to work. I mean, if you, if well, you don't do well, if yeah, you don't you, do well, you're not going to work. So the, the only the the only way you could transition into that style would be if you made enough money doing your podcast where you didn't need the stand-up money to pay your bills and you could make that transition and and not worry about it, right? Yeah, but yeah, but I'm saying I'm trying to make it slowly, you know, I'm trying to make it like, you know, where I can where I, it's hard to explain, but I'm trying to make it so like just like 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 every show i can't come out like breathing fire but i'm trying to come out just uh, like because you know when if i'm not doing that like i can do i have jokes that, I, that they'll laugh at but i'm saying if i'm not pushing the envelope a little bit i feel like i'm losing you know because i mean how many years left do i have doing it so i'm like at this point i have a i have a fan base they they like they like the fact that I'm like always getting in trouble and always uh, uh, po- uh, podcast sidekicks are quitting like a lot of mayhem. So I gotta I have to make my my stand up more like that. Like I'm it's I'm just determined. I mean I have to or else I'm a failure. Like I'm not I'm not judging it on I'm not judging it on how well I do. I'm judging it on like how how much I get close to how i do on my podcast like i'm not gonna say bad words or whatever but like i'm not gonna like call somebody like a i'm not gonna a racial slur or nothing like that but i'm saying like i have i can't i it's it would be dumb for me because i wasn't really that successful doing comedy the way i had been doing it so i'd be dumb now that we had a year off i'd be dumb to keep like going well i should try to i should make the audience like me like it doesn't work it doesn't it's better it's better for everybody if I if I'm more aggressive and more of a dick in my stand up than than just be like, well, I should be trying to be a nice guy because everybody else tries to just I'm I'm saying like everybody tries to be likable. So so if you go up and you you don't give a shit if they like you, the crowd's like, What's wrong with this motherfucker? They 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 they're confused by it. But they're because, all, but look at the guys. I mean, I can name the yeah, guys. Yeah, but I'm saying, but there's four in history. Like nobody does it because it's <laughs> fucking hard. Yeah, but it's great when it's done right. If it's done right, but then you almost have to buy buy into the whole persona. You have to either like become Kinnison or become David Tell or Mitch Hedberg, where you have to like literally live it twenty four seven. And again, I, I I got a family shit. I don't know how fucking 
can I be crazy all the time? I don't know. It's, it's, listen, I don't have to, I don't have to do it overnight, but I, I like, it's the goal. It's really the only goal I have really left because I'm not trying to get on TV. Like oh, I'm going to get on Letterman. Like I want to be better at standup. And the way to do it is to become more aggressive, more of a dick, not, not, not care if they don't like me just the way I do my podcast. Right. But also with my podcast, I, I have, I have people with me. So if I say something obnoxious, they'll laugh, basically letting letting the crowd know, oh, it's kind of funny. He's being funny. You know? you know what it reminds me of? Like, I've always, I don't know if you're the same as me, because we've been doing stand-up so long that, like, when you get a chance to do, like, in L.A. it seems more popular, but I was trying to do shows in New York where I would give the show, like, a weird fucking theme to make it, like, more fun. Like, like I'm trying to think. One, I did this one show called uh, Anything But Your Act. So the comedians weren't allowed to do their act. They had to come up with some fucking unique, weird thing, whether it was a character or whatever it was, but it could not be their stand-up, right? Get it stopped. Get it stopped. And, uh, jeez, I just, that, that, that talking in the background over here fucking is throwing me off my, uh, my mind. Mayron, shut up. I did. I'm oh, I, I know what I was going to say. And you know when the, when the, these kind of weird shows, you know when they would work the best? When the comedians were in the room laughing. Because, right. like, like the crowd got into it because it was almost like if you ever watch like Andy Kindler, like when Andy Kindler would do those Montreal comedy at right. the, when he would roast the whole industry, right? Yeah. If if there's not comics and managers and agents laughing at it, it's not as funny. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I got a family. I'm not I'm not a gay man where I had to sit around and look at dirty pictures all day. Well, that is that is funny. That's what you do. Come on, I'm almost done. Let me finish. What are you emceeing? No, no, no. All right, Joe, go ahead. I can't believe I'm getting harassed. By I'm, another I'm saying that. Are you doing MMA? What is that long sleeve shirt? This could be. I got a good point here, and I can't get it in. Yeah, come on. I should have told you to go in your car. I don't have a car. I would be in my car if uh, I had a car. Yeah. I have to get a zip. I have to get a zip car. Can you get him down? What the? No, no. What do you live in New York and and in in Jersey at the same time? No, I took the path in. Oh. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying though. Oh, I know you, what you're saying. No, because it's like no, it's like it, listen. I, that's why I said even if I do a show on the road and I have five fans there. That's all I need because yes. if one table is laughing, then when I if I'm being a dick, one table is laughing, um, then um, then they'll let the crowd know that I'm joking, and they'll 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 jumpstart the rest of the crowd. Even like Liz, the manager here, sometimes I'll be doing a set and I'll be bombing, and then she'll be laughing because I'm bombing, and then the rest of the crowd will start to laugh because it's like it's so it's so even with my podcast, it's easier because. That my producer's there, or if Chad's there, somebody's there. They're laughing. So if I'm being a complete dick, they'll laugh because I'm being a dick. So, but when you do stand up, 
you don't have the people. So you're by yourself. You got to have balls. And, and Kinnison, those guys have balls, but they're all dead. You, you know, know what I was, like, you know what? Uh, tell me if I have a point here. Cause I just started thinking about this. Cause I lived in LA for one year and I used to go to the comedy store a lot. And a lot of these comedians, they are kind of like you mentioned Kinnison and like, I'm trying to think of Anthony Jeselnik. So another one who, you know, his whole, whole act is really mean, Yeah. but, but it's a, you know, it's kind of mean on purpose. Um, but if you think about it, the comedy store is different than the seller. Like the seller, nobody goes in there usually and watches everybody's sets. But you go to the comedy store, they're always in the back and they laugh when someone's really like, I can remember Andrew Dice Clay going on stage one night and he just was doing something weird and it was making everybody, all the comics laugh in the back. Right. He, he would just stand there for like five minutes and go, turn the lights down more make it darker and he was like it was just funny because you were like what yeah. the fuck is he doing turn the mic up and uh and there was this other comedian he ended up having a nervous breakdown i remember when i was living out in la he stopped doing comedy but he, he was the comic in la that every comic would go into the room when he was performing yeah because his shit was so dark right. that but he would kill like the crowd would laugh too because the comics would be fucking dying. His jokes right. would be super racist, super fucking honest and really mean. And he would yell all the punchlines, almost like Kennison did. This guy, uh, James Painter was his name. I don't know if you ever heard of that guy. Yeah, I think I've heard the name. And then he had a nervous breakdown and quit. Yeah, he quit doing stand up. Because if he went outside, if he had to go to a regular room where the comics right. weren't in the, he would bomb and he just, right. no one wanted to book him and right. he was killing for the comedians would love. It's like a t there was a time when a tell, like every comic wanted to go in the room when he was on because yeah. his jokes were really off color. Right. No, I'm doing a joke. I'm doing a joke now. Like where I say, like I, when I first came back, I was doing it and it's, I basically say, you know, COVID. I talk about COVID a couple things, and then I said, I said, you know, COVID's killing a lot. COVID killed a lot of people. I said mostly old people and fat people, making it the best disease of all time. I said, too bad all diseases don't kill old people and fat people. So it's like at first it was like really working great, and then now it's like now I realize it's too mean, but I don't care. And then like tonight I was walking down the Village Underground, and you know they have those stairs. And I was walking down to, and some, some old lady was walking ahead of me. So I had to wait for her walking downstairs. I'm like, she's not going to like this joke. And then, and then I saw some fat dude, like when I got to the bottom of the stairs, he was some fat dude sitting at the table. I'm like, they're not going to like the joke, but it's like, it, that's okay. Cause I mean, I, I, it, it, I, I, it has a payoff at the end that people like, but, but the point is like, I used to be afraid because if I get heckled, I don't want to get heckled. I'm like, nah, I don't want to get heckled. I want to get heckled. I'd rather get heckled than, than to play it safe. Like, they don't heckle you, and, and it creates, like, a little bit of drama in the room. But, like, also, like, crowds are dumb. Like, they want, like, I've said this for years, they want treat, cheeseburger and french fries. You know, like, when you go to a restaurant, if you're on the road, you just get, you get the most simple cheeseburger and french fries. Right, that's they what, can't fuck that's it a, up. No, but that's what they want here. They want basic. They don't want. They want anything fancy. Unless you're famous, then they'll. Then they'll. No, then they'll give you some leeway. But, but if but for you the want, most if part, you want to make it big, that's never. You playing it safe and getting the laughs is never going to work. It has to be you taking the risk and bombing. 
You're gonna have to bomb. Yeah. You just have to no, take I'm the gonna. hits. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think the seller, the seller was still giving me spots, but I mean, and and it works better on the road. Like me being a dick works way better on the road because the city, you know, the city's the city's uh, you know, I don't know if they're PC, but they're they're more they're they, you know, they don't they 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 more judgy about what's inappropriate. Like yes, I, they I, are, I had some, and, I had and you have more. Sorry, I I had some racial material that I was that I had done at a at a at a show in Connecticut that was doing great, and then when I did it here, it, it didn't it didn't get a laugh. I, it was no. killing it at this club in Connecticut, and then I did it here, and it got nothing. So I'm like, they they they're not in, and people have no appetite for racial humor coming from a white guy. So you know that's the way it is. But I'm not gonna I'm gonna stick with the fat the fat joke and the COVID stuff like. I gotta, I gotta risk it. I gotta, I got nothing. To, I got nothing. I have nothing to lose, and I have nothing to gain if I just play it safe. But again, like you, the crowd wants you to play it safe. They want you to play it safe. They want you to do safe jokes. You know, quasi edgy, but it's really, you know, it's safe because you know it's gonna work. Well, and, it's it's know, all about being yourself, though. Like if I went up there yeah, but, and, but, and but was edgy, is, it's I, not gonna work because I'm not an edgy guy. But you are. Yeah, but you're, so. yeah, but I'm. Um, I wasn't like you said. I wasn't. And now, 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 now I always wanted to be, but I didn't have the balls and I didn't have a podcast like to help me get me there. So now I yeah. do. And now I have basically no excuse because I wasn't really, I always wanted to be edgier, but my standup was, you know, it, it was hard to find my footing, but now with my podcast, it's easier. And I know what I'm supposed to do. It's just a matter of executing it, you know? Yeah, well, doing the podcast over and over and over makes you find your true self because you're just talking and talking and talking, and then you figure you find it, you right? Know? Um, all right, so, so uh, one of the it's right in your in your uh, Wikipedia page where it says in 2017 interview with New York Magazine comedian Jim Gaffigan was quoted saying, I am a New York comedian in the vein of the like of David Tell and Kevin Brennan where they're supposed to laugh at your jokes and not like you. So you've must been you've been thinking this for a while. Yeah, he that's his quote. That's not my quote. So so when I saw that in the Wikipedia, I was like, I didn't know he said that. And then I was like, yeah, I mean it, it's like Attell got away with it, but Attell lived the life. You know, like Attell was like you know, single, he's still single. Like he was drinking. Like I was never it, like, it's he's like, he, like I said, Hedberg too. Like they, they live, they were 24 seven. Hedberg was 24 seven Hedberg. Uh, Tell was 24 seven Tell. So like I couldn't pull it off, but now it's easier because, because I do podcasts. So like I do my couple pack podcasts every week. So I'm more in tune with like being like a dick and get, and get, I guess getting better at it. You know, like pulling it off. Right. Like Paul Mooney just died, and Paul Mooney was like that. He was a dick, and uh, you know, whatever. I I didn't see him very much, but I never saw him do well. But people loved him because he would fucking take chances. But also because you know Richard Pryor uh, was paying him to fucking, you know, so he had he had enough money where uh, he was probably comfortable enough that he could that he could he could afford the bomb. You know, like like uh, is my point, like. Do I have enough money? Am I comfortable enough that I could that I can comfortably afford to bomb? I mean, like I said, it's 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 a different thing because I make money off my podcast and I and I and I'm feeling I'm I get my I get my uh, 
my footing better for my podcast. But but a guy like Paul Mooney, I could have never done it where I just go up on stage where I'm sitting around all day and then go up on stage and start breathing fire like 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 Atel used to do or or fucking uh, or like Paul Mooney. Like because even when I used to I, I always feel like I was always between Romano and Atel. Like Romano was a very nice guy who had funny jokes. Atel was a not a nice guy who had funny jokes. And I was like, I always felt like I was like, you know, I, I want to be like Romano because I want to get on the uh, TV. But then I, I was, I like to tell jokes better, but I admired Romano because he was such, good, such a good craftsman, you know? So I was always torn between like, I always feel like I was caught between them and I and I never really decided, okay, what am I going to be? Sometimes I would be more like a tell, sometimes I would be more like Romano. And now I'm like, I just got to be more like the guy on my fucking podcast, you know? Well, you just got to be you. <laughs> um, so it sounds like, I mean, it's hard when you have a wife and kids because that, it's like, what are we going to be dicks to our wives and our kids? It's like you become nicer when you become a dad. What are you going to be a shitty dad and yell at your fucking kids all the time? I, mean, I and do. I... Them? <laughs> but but, it, it, but you do it in a funny way. I'm sure they're not like fucking terrified of you. Yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of my sons, one of my son's friends, like, oh, your dad seems so mean because I'm not, I'm not like, I don't smile a lot. And I go, just, I go, just let him, let him think I'm mean. So what, you know, then, then he, and he still thinks I'm mean, but the bottom line is it's, it's fucking tricky. And the reason like most people don't do it, like I, I'm thinking about, I look at the lineups here and it's like, nobody, like, even if you, if you watch Dave Chappelle or whatever, like, they're still being like very excessively nice, you know, like, so there, it's very few instances where a guy is like, fuck it. I'm going to go up there. Like Nick DePaul, I just saw Nick DePaul. Nick always did it, but Nick is like, Nick can't be anything but that, you know? And then Nick got into trouble along the way where people go, Nick's hard to, hard to work with or whatever. It's like, I mean, I, I always thought Nick was just fucking hilarious, but I could I could see him getting into fucking fights with club owners or whoever. Well, he would get in fights with the audience sometimes, like yeah, li so literally saying, fist fights. Right. So I'm saying, but Nick can't be anything but that. Like Nick has always been the same, which yeah. I always admired. I always admired Nick DiPaolo just because he came out breathing fire every show. I never saw him try to be nice, but I that's not my personality. So I have to like, convince myself to do it that way you know? right well he's another one that found himself when he started podcasting you know and now yeah and, but and he was he always there it. but he found another way to channel nick you know right well it explains why you gave me shit for going on medication because you were probably like why would you want to dull down the fucking instrument of the comic of the comic <laughs> yeah, of course of and course. I, it, it did it did really dull it and and now you know it got to the point where i got used to performing as the dulled down me because i got in trouble and got fired and stuff because i couldn't handle someone not laughing or someone heckling and i would get so livid with them so um and they would have to shut the mic off it was like i couldn't stop so right but my material wasn't mean though so it was like that's where it that's why i think it didn't work for me because it's like you got to be one thing. You can't be like nice and then fucking mean. You have to be mean the whole way. Like right. every, I always right. say, if you go see Jezelnik, every single joke is really inappropriate, and that's the shtick. Right, right. Um, so yeah, I've never seen him a long set. I used to see him here do short sets, and yeah, it, every joke was mean. And I, I was, I, I was kind of curious, like, can he pull this off for? 
for an hour, 45 minutes. I guess he can. I mean, he, he can. can now because he has he has a fan base. But yeah. I mean, I I for Stephen Wright years ago, and the crowd after a while the crowd gets. I mean, he's a different energy, of course. But after a while, the crowd gets bored of the like your style, you know, especially if it's one liners, you know. Yeah. All right, so I'll wrap it up with, I'll just rapid fire ask you these questions and you can not answer them. Because I was thinking you were going to just, I was like, I'm going to ask him all this shit. I want to see if he'll answer. Uh, and you cannot answer. You just, you could say skip. So uh, the, I, I said, the dickiest thing you know for a fact a comic did to you or someone else. <laughs> You probably I don't even know. You. Like, what do you mean? Like, like on stage or off stage? Yeah, it's like I, I oh, kind of want. I'll, I'll just tell a Marin story because uh, one time, I guess Marin was, you know, I guess he's been clean for like twenty years. I, I'm just going from what my wife says or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, so, uh, but you know, Marin was always kind of a dick to me, and. Uh, and so I don't, you know, and now looking back, maybe he was like, you know, on something. But, you know, it's like my, my theory is like, hey, you, it's great you were on something. I wasn't. So I had to deal with you. You know, like, I don't understand. Like, you're on something. So you get a pass. It's like, fuck you. I wasn't like, we're not all on something where we're all on equal playing field, you know? Right. So, uh, so, so he, I doing, he would treat you bad when he was no, on. No, I was something. doing a set one time at the cellar, you know, down to the little room at the cellar, and he was a, uh, um, he was he was like that was when the cellar wasn't as crowded, and he was in one of the back tables in that back corner table at the cellar near where the bar is, and he's talking the whole time, like the whole set, and I kept like glaring over there and like you know making. Whatever I could do, I didn't stop the show and go shut the fuck up because I knew it was him, and then I knew it's like awkward since he's a comic, you know. So then, uh, so I finished my set. I walk over. Hey, you stupid! Keep walking. Everybody's like amazed. I heard they're cheering. Everybody's like, everybody's like amazed. Everybody's like amazed uh, when I'm talking to somebody. Well, it's so, probably because um, you're just talking loud. They're like, "Who? Well, who talks that loud on their own cell phone?" So, uh, so he goes. Uh, so I, so I do my set. I walk over to, I walk over to Marin, and I go, I go, "What the fuck are you doing?" He goes, he goes, "What do you mean?" I go, he goes, "What the fuck are you doing?" And he goes, he goes, uh, "I know you were talking a whole." I go, you're talking a whole fucking set. And he goes, he goes, I was talking to your brother. So he's talking to my, he's talking to my brother, Danny. I don't know if you know Danny. He used to work at a comic strip, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so, and he was like an actor or whatever. But the point is, it's like, so wait, so you want me to give you a pass? Cause, cause you're talking to my brother during my set. It's just like, I was like, like, I, I don't, because, you know, I, I tell people to, to stop talking now, you know? That like, is, like, that when, is when one I'm, of the most disrespectful things, because no, we're comic, comedians. Like I, yeah, like, I was downstairs just before at the Village Underground, so the MC was talking. He was the guy I was yelling at before. But he was talking while he brought up somebody. He was talking. I mean, he wasn't talking loud, but I'm like, just don't talk. Like, go outside. He was talking to somebody else. I'm like, go outside, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, so... 
So I just, and, and the seller's so small and I'm like, just don't, it's just rude. You know, it's fucking rude to just to be talking while somebody else is up. But he was talking like a conversational tone. And I was like, what a fucking dick. But then he'll probably say, oh, maybe I was on something. I'm mm. like, okay, so that's my fault. Like, <laughs> well, like, like who's, it's like, what, why, I shouldn't be here. I know, I know from knowing Marin when he was doing drugs that and and when he was drinking because i remember hanging out with him one night he's one of those dudes you know those people that become fucking another person and really mean when they drink yeah. he's yeah. one of those like he was one of those like holy shit dude you're not even fun to be around when you drink yeah. you're like a fucking asshole. probably because i guess yeah. on his podcast he always i guess he asks everybody um are you mad at me about something <laughs> yeah yeah so i guess that's from all those years yeah uh, okay, so the next question. This one, this one could be a long answer, though. I don't want a long answer. Top five comedians you think made it big that you think sucked. <laughs> that would be I don't You're not answering that one. Top five that made it big that sucked. Yeah, I don't know. We don't have to answer that. Uh, uh, how I'll, about, just go, I'll go with Drew Carey. <laughs> From what uh, Pat Cooper said. Pat Cooper already shit on him. Yeah. Uh, Biggest mistake you made in your comedy career? Uh, I made a mistake a long time ago because I, I started in Chicago and then I moved. I did, was doing doing comedy in Chicago for like like a year. Or not, but I got good. Like I was getting laughs. Like, but I, I just broke up with my girlfriend. I, my, it was like all this shit was going bad, you know. But I was doing, I was having great sets. So I was like, I lost my apartment and all this shit was going on. So I'm like, I'm going to move. So I moved to California. Like, I don't even know where the fuck I got the balls to do it. But I, What like, year was Cal- this? I don't know, like in the late 80s. So I moved So I moved to California and I get out there. And like early on, I got a little whatever. People were like, oh, you know, whatever. But the point is. You gotta you gotta factor in why you're why you're doing well and you can't you can't overreact when when things are like when you're when you're getting laughs like I still do it when I'm getting like when, when they when uh when I'm when I'm doing well I still get like cocky and I'm like fuck everybody and and I'm gonna do this so so I don't know if, if anyone's listening that just like if you're having like you have to have like 10 good sets in a row don't don't divorce your wife and be like, you know, I can do a, get a better wife or whatever. And then I realized my, my act didn't travel. My act didn't travel. I hated LA. And then I was like, fuck it. I moved to New York. And then I basically lived through every since, ever since. But, but I, you know, my, my instinct when things are bad is to go, fuck it. Let's, let's move. Let's. And I, even when I moved, when I finally, finally just mm-hmm. moved to New York, I still would want to move. I'd still be like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. I fucking hate it here. But I kind of learned my lesson. Like, don't don't move. Moving's not good. Well, it's exa- it's exactly like the advice you gave me when I was on your show. That was the reason I would stop different podcasts that I started and start a new one because it would start to not work. So I would stop doing it and then try a new one. Like I, six months would go by and I'd be like, oh, I got to do a podcast. I got to do a. And then I try a new one. And then if that didn't work, I'd start again. And then you look back and go, if I was still doing that first one, I'd have right. so many more fans. Right. Know? Even or, if or like, even if you change the idea of the podcast, you don't you could still change the idea and keep the name the same and just keep fucking doing it. You know what right. I mean? Right. 
Right. But like you think like, you know, you're feeling stale and you're like, oh, what I got to do is I got to make I got to I got to like basically burn down the house. And it's right. It's not the way to go. I still I still do. I still want to do it, you know, but I, I have to fight myself. Yeah. Well, when you have a wife and kids, it's that's what grounds yeah, you. There's no way to move when you got a wife and kids. Right. Move right. them. Uh, worst comedy manager you ever had and why? I don't even know who your managers were in your career. How many managers did you have? Um, <laughs> I, I, oh God, I can't even, I've told the story before. Myself. You don't have I had to a manager. I had a manager. I mean, she wasn't a bad manager, but she, <laughs> I auditioned, I auditioned for SNL at at um at um Stanham, New York, you know. Uh-huh. So they they saw they uh they want they saw a tape of me. I had done Conan, I had a good set on Conan. So uh they sent them that tape. So I auditioned for them at SNL. So um so then the next day my manager calls me and she's like, Oh they really liked you. I go, they did? Goes, yeah, Marcy Klein, who was like the the one who was there. She goes, yeah, Marcy loved you. So I said, well, I said, uh, what did you what did you say? My I, my phone's getting going running down. She goes, okay. I said, what did you say? She said, I said, um, she said they asked how old you were, and I said, I said, what'd you tell them? Because I was supposed to be under thirty five and I wasn't. <laughs> I said, she goes, she goes, uh, I told them. I don't. I said I don't know how old he is, but he has a twenty-year-old girlfriend. I was like, I'm like, what? She goes, yeah. I didn't want to. I didn't want to lie. I go, just fucking lie. Are you fucking serious? So, so then <laughs> I've then, never heard a manager say I didn't want to lie. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So then she. So then, then, then I have to audition for Lorne, and. Um, I auditioned for Lauren, like the head of NBC, like like a month later, and it goes well. And then Lauren wants to. I have to go meet Lauren at his office, and I'm so nervous to meet him that that like when then like I'm waiting outside his office, and then they push me. His assistant literally pushes me, and when the, when she opens the door. She goes, she opens the door. Lauren's sitting in there. She pushes me because she probably is like, I'm too nervous to like walk in. So she literally from the, from my back, she pushed me anyway. So, so I had to meet Lauren. So before I met, before I met Lauren, I said to my manager, what if Lauren asked me how old I, how old I am? She goes, he's not going to ask that. That would be so rude. So I walk in, she pushes me in. I sit down. Lauren goes, so Lauren goes, how old are you? First question, how old are you? <laughs> I go on 35. I go on 35. He goes, he goes, oh, he goes, yo, you are? Come on, get the fuck out of here. Why? Why do I have to leave? Oh, my God, you're drunk. I'm not even drunk. Kevin. Come on, we're almost done. Get out. I'm not, I'm dead. I'm not leaving. Oh my god! I'm not leaving, and I will intrude. Oh come on! I will intrude on your Liz. On your anyway, I gotta finish your, this thing. Your heterocentric. Yes, girl. How much prettier am I than Kevin? <laughs> what? I mean, honestly, am I not doing this? Anyway, so uh, so 
so uh, Lauren goes, how, how, he goes, I said, I'm 35. Lauren goes, how long have you been doing stand-up? I said, 10 years. He goes, so you started when you're 25? I'm like, are we doing fucking math here? Like, like I felt like he was trying to trap me into lying about, you know, it tricked me into, because he would confuse me with how long I've been doing it. And so you've been doing it, you know, whatever. And I, and when I got done, I was like, and the meeting went fine. I got hired, you know, but I, I was like, when I got done, I was like, yeah, this before texting or whatever. So I call my manager. I go, I go, you're a fucking idiot. I go, the first question he asked me was how old am she goes, he did. I'm like, yeah. And then, and then, but she was such a, she was such a clown. Seriously? Seriously? I would love to know who that was. I can almost I can almost guess who that was. Seriously? Come on, I got it. It's Joe Matarese. Let me do my fucking Joe Matarese isn't anyone that matters. Ooh, I'm gonna have to edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that'll get fuck that'll be on every fucking feed for the rest of my life. Oh, oh my who I, mean, is I that? apologize for that. Everybody was fine until this guy. Who is Mayron, that? The big Mayron. I don't know what his last name is. He, he's just he's he's a big gay MC. I mean, I'm not even kidding. He's big and gay and loud and MC. He's a good MC. No, so anyway, so I mean, and then another time, I said I, I can think, almost guess who that was. But you could, you don't know him, right? No, I said I can almost guess who the who the manager was that did that. Who? For some reason, I'm getting a picture in my head of this woman that was managing a lot of comedians, and they used to make fun of her when she would bring her suitcase. She would show up with a suitcase at every comedy club. Do you remember no, her? No, it wasn't her. It wasn't Who was her. that? I don't know. I, I know she never I, She never bought a suitcase. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would have fired her if she, if she showed up once with a suitcase. <laughs> anyway, so uh, another time, I think this was before this. Yeah, we had a, we had a, she would always she would always give me bad news, like real sad. And um and so she was like, uh she goes, uh one time we did a pie, we had a pilot going and we we they bought the pilot or they they gave us money, then we had to do a table read. And uh so I, I said I said, you know, if they if they don't want us, if they don't like it. Don't give me a long story when you call because I was flying back to New York. I said, don't give me a long story about, you know, how they how great it is and they should buy it. I said, just if it's if they say yes, if they like it, just call me up and go number one. And if they don't call up and say number two and then hang up. So I'm I'm on the plane. That's when you would check that you could check your you could call like your you could they had phones on the planes. Remember, you could, you could yeah, call yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. Check your answer machine. Anyway, I checked my answer machine on the plane. She goes, hi, it's blah, blah, blah. Number two. <laughs> and then she hung up. I'm like, at least she did what she was told. <laughs> so mad, but yeah. So that's why when I look back, I'm like, yeah, I should be mad. I should be fucking, I should be a fucking double douchebag. That's why, like my last, my last, uh, whatever, my last couple years in comedy, I'm coming at it hard. Because I've had nothing but fucking stand up, you know. It's like show business is, a, is not has not been good to me, and so fuck it. I owe it nothing, and that's how I approach it now. That's that's when you start being successful because you stop caring. Probably. Uh, so, 
uh, I think you'll answer this one. I know I would. Biggest dick in show business who comes across as a nice guy or girl. I got Jeff one. Ross. Jeff Ross, no Je- question. Jeff Ross is like a dick who comes across nice. Oh, he's a complete fucking dick. Is he? See, I don't know him that well. Oh, he's a gigantic douche. He's one of those guys that won't help anybody, right? No, he kisses up, completely kisses up, and anybody below me won't even give him the time of day. I got into a, a, something with him, and Elon Gold calls me and goes, what are you doing? I said, yeah, I don't like the guy. He goes, I go, I don't like the guy. He goes, he goes, uh, well, I said, I said, I've known the guy for how long? 20 years. He's never said one nice thing to me in 20 years. He goes, that's just the way Jeff is. I go, I don't give a fuck. He's a fucking asshole and he's a fucking prick and he can go fuck himself. So Jeff Ross, absolutely. Jeff Ross. Jeff, Jeff Livschultz, okay. if you want to be more specific, that's his real name. Yes. When I met him, he was Jeff Lifschultz. Now he, he shortened his name to Jeff Ross. Did, did you ever see the movie? The um, I think it's from like the early 50s or late 40s called A Face in the Crowd. No. You got to go see that movie because it's a podcast. I, yeah. I've, I've mentioned this movie. No matter. <laughs> Shane Gillis says hi. Oh, hey, Shane. I lost you again. What just happened? Oh, there you're back. My phone's getting low. I'm gonna lose you in a minute. Okay. So go. Yeah, wrap it up before. Wrap it up before I, it, it goes black. It's gonna look bad. All right. How many? I'm at ten. I'm at ten percent. All right. I'm on, I'm gonna end it uh in a, in like two minutes. All right. Yeah. Go see that movie though because uh, I think Andy Griffith plays the star, and he's a guy with a talk show who's like a fucking asshole, but America loves him because he's got this really nice persona on the air and then he's mean mean to everybody when the cameras go off. Yeah. And then the cameras accidentally stay on on one of the shows and and you see him being a fucking dick and he loses his whole fan base. Yeah, of course. And it won an Oscar that year. It's a really good movie. What's it called again? It's called A Face in the Crowd. Yeah, that's what they're all afraid of. Every talk show host, everybody's afraid of getting caught that's why they're all hate these like cell phones because they're all like they're all have to hide what douchebags they are. Yeah, My, mine was Tony Danza. I saw him once, and I was like, I could, I, I saw the behind the fucking curtain of Tony Danza, and I was like, this guy's fake nice. He's an asshole. He's yeah, but I think super- I think I think even if they were nice at the beginning, then they just become like so full of themselves and they're famous, and everybody has to be nice to them. So yeah. they just have a terrible, terrible fucking attitude. Yeah. Okay. We'll end with this question. This is just a, a funny random question because then I'm actually curious. Most money you ever made for one stand-up gig. <laughs> we'll end with this. Um, Most. Like a like a gig? It can be anything. It could be a corporate gig. One gig you open for somebody the most it ever paid. I think I did like some privates. I, when I started doing my podcast, I started getting some private gigs that you know and they were they're always weird to do but i did one at uh i did what at where where trump lives now mar lago yeah in florida yeah they flew me down there and then uh and it was somebody who had been married like 50 years and it was their 50th or 60th wedding it was they were really old and they were like and i i just bombed like and then 
And then afterwards, I had to like talk to them and and like kind of socialize with them. And I was like, and we, we got half the money up front, but I'm like, I'm not going to get paid. I'm like, I was sure I wasn't going to get paid, but I got paid. So, so yeah. But it's, it, you know, those things are like, is it worth it? Yeah, you get the money and then, but you feel dirty after because you didn't, you didn't earn it, you know? Right. You did. They just paid you because that—that's what your agent asked, and then they agreed to it. But you don't feel like you earned it. You feel like you didn't do a good job, and and they didn't, and no one, no one enjoyed it. Nobody enjoyed it. So. Yeah. And then they have to act like it was good, and I was like, and then I just, I just got drunk. I just went back to my hotel and like drank because it's like, what else can you do? You just—it's like. You know, you just got to take the L. But, you know, they I did get paid. They didn't, you know, they sent them the rest of the money. So that was good. You won't give the number? I don't want to give the number because it's not that high. And, and it's, uh, <laughs> if it was 50, if it was like 50 grand, I would say. If it was 50 grand, I probably would have felt way worse. But Sorry. it was, it was, it was, it was around, it was around uh, five figures. Okay. I got you. That's, we're probably in the, we're probably in the same range for the highest yeah, it's not a lot. highest it's corporate a lot. gig. Yeah, usually it's the highest you ever made, but it's like like you said, it's not the best you've ever done. And usually yeah. there's a lot of work involved to a high paying corporate. Like you can't just show up and do your act and go home. It's like there's all these other fucking things you got to write right. things for. Right. Even when I used to do colleges, sometimes you had to like talk to the fucking booking committee, and you're like can I just do my show? And, but they want, they, 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 they basically own you for that night. So you gotta, you gotta be nice to them. And it's, right. it's, it's terrible. I hate it. I hate it. Cause I don't like, I'll talk to people after the show, but before the show, I, I don't like to, I don't like to, I like to keep it very straightforward. You know. Anyway, right. Joe, I better go. Cause my phone's dying and the seat in this next show is going to get noisy. Can you hear the noise? I can't hear the noise. I was about to ask you number one thing a guy has to do to become a contender from being a pretender. If there was, a, if there's any one thing that you think it could be in any profession. What's the question? What someone needs to become a contender in, in, in any field from starting as a pretender when you're fucking don't know what the hell you're doing. What, what is the key thing that makes you know that you're taking it over the top now in, in like one sentence? I would say, I would say, uh, your nose is on camera right now. I would say, um, this is hilarious. It's almost making it better with them in the back. I would say the only thing that that's kept me from not quitting is like I was like comedy, you know, like 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 even if I see Jeff Ross, I don't like the guy and I don't really think he's that good or anything. But if he has a funny joke, I'll still be like, oh, that's a funny joke. So I still <laughs> right. I still like, you know, I still like comedy, you know. So even if, if I come up with a funny joke, I'm like, I, it makes me like remember why why I like comedy, just because I, I think I, I like funny jokes, I like funny people, but but you gotta have something that's that you know, especially in show business, you gotta have something that's gonna keep you from like giving up, you know. You gotta have, it's gotta something's gotta keep you from. Giving up because it's it's gonna you're gonna I mean I think in anything a lot of you're gonna hit a lot of, a lot of roadblocks so you just got there's got to be something you know like it almost has to be like not an addiction but something like that where like where like keep you from just 
keep going at it, keep going at it. Like, but I, I don't know if it's sports or especially if it's something that you get better at being repetitive at, you know, like comedy or sports. Like right. you just, you have to really, there's gotta be some component of it that keeps you coming back, you know? Right. Because like you talk to guys who play sports and they're like, I love, you know, they still like, like LeBron says he loves playing basketball. It's like, after a while you're like, don't you get sick of just running up and down the court trying to put the ball in the hole? But I guess they don't. Cause no. like, I, I, I didn't really like, I, sometimes I'm like, Cause I'm, I'm to the age now. I'm like, I'm kind of over everything. So, so I see hot women. I'm like, I, I'm, I don't even give a shit anymore. Like I see hot women in the New York streets of New York. I'm like, I, I don't even care. I don't think I'm turning gay. I'm just over it. You know? <laughs> right. So, uh, so it's almost like LeBron's, LeBron's like, I still love playing basketball. So it's like, okay, good. Tom Brady still loves playing. And these are extreme cases because they're like all time greats. But I'm saying like, you guys just, you know, I guess, you know what Oprah says, do what you love. And then, the money will follow, which is not necessarily true because that doesn't, that's not true for heroin. But I'm saying that uh, just, you know, make sure you like it because you're going to, because you're going to be, it's just, you know, just like a marriage. You, you better like your wife because it's going to be tested, you know? Right. It's going to be tested. That's a good point. All right, man. All right. Go, thanks, go, Joe. Go thanks, do your sorry, sta- Thank you the- for staying long. I'll cut this down. And, uh, oh, that's fine. Sorry about all the background noise. No problem. It made it. Uh, it made it interesting. Gave it some flavor. Some New York gave, flavor. It gave it some flavor. All right, buddy. All right, man. See you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I hope you enjoy the slightly different format on that one. And keep listening, everybody. And as you know, if you want to watch these episodes in high definition video. For as little as $3 a month, you get that, but you have to be a Patreon subscriber. Go to patreon.com forward slash pretender to contender. That's the only way to get them in video, and it's also a nice way to support my show. All right? Also, June 26th, I will be I will be in Shemung, New Jersey at the Adventure Farm. Come check that out, man. I can get 500 people in there in south jersey we're trying to promote this thing trying to hit it hard it's tough in the summer in jersey but we're going for it it's the soul joel production of remember when come on out live band two hilarious openers how can you beat that june 26th shemung new jersey all you have to do is go to joematterese.com to get tickets to that and of course you can always go to soul joel soul joel's uh website and you can buy tickets there also it's easy to find soul joel productions they're in uh royersford pa is his main gig so you can find that on the internet just google it all right i will talk to you guys next week enjoy the heck out of it and uh enjoy the heck out of it i didn't even what did that mean enjoy the heck out of what enjoy the heck out of your free time (laughs) this week All right, guys, I'll talk to you next week. See you later.